The End of the Line, Episode 4, Mary. I get asked two questions more than any other. Not always in the same order and not always together. I think that depends on who's asking. But eventually, everybody asks the same two questions. The first is, do I regret not having children? There's something terribly certain about it, isn't there? The very fact the question has been asked leads us to assume I haven't had and won't be having children. We're dealing in fact, not conjecture. And so I'm being asked whether this truth is now a source of regret. That's a tricky one. Not because I don't know the answer. The answer is easy. Hell no. Hell no. I don't regret not having children. It's tricky because it's so one-sided. I've never seen anybody ask the flip side of that question to a parent. Even to a parent of a serial killer. Not that I know any serial killers or even parents of serial killers. At least I hope I don't. But it's a tricky question because nobody ever asks a parent if they do regret bringing a child into the world. Any parent that tells you they have never had a single thought of regret, not even a fleeting one, is lying. They'll swear blind that they don't regret it, not for a moment, but they'll be lying about it. I often wonder why the regret is so one-sided. If bringing a child into the world is so devoid of regret, then choosing not to bring one into the world must redress that balance, right? So then, am I destined to live my life thinking about what might have been? What might my life have been like as a mother? What might my children have grown up to become? All the things that they could have achieved, and yet they were all denied that because I chose not to give birth to them. You see, that's how people really think. They think that these children exist before they are born, before they are even conceived, as if there is some factory somewhere with little jars that contain all these hopes and dreams, all these opportunities that are just waiting to be fulfilled, and all I have to do is to squeeze a human being out of my body. (laughs) It's utter nonsense. How can I deprive somebody of something if they don't exist? Because if they don't exist, then surely neither do the hopes and dreams. And when you think about it, even if the child were real, the hopes and dreams aren't because they're hopes and dreams, which aren't sodding real. What people really want is the child they dream of, not necessarily the one they get. That's what they won't admit. The child they got wasn't the child they wanted. Somehow life got in the way. Somehow life always gets in the way. The child grows up to be its own person, despite all your best efforts to influence it. You can't reduce a person to a set of influences. They are who they are, and that might not be who you want them to be. But nobody would ever admit that. So instead, they push the regret onto people like me. But that's because you're looking at it in the wrong way. Your way. To me, hell is other people. I fear other people. You see, I love my own company. I agree with everything I say and anything I do say is hilarious and intelligent. So what's to fear in that? But (laughs) this is the hypocrisy of life, the hypocrisy of language. 
If I were a male, I'd be a bachelor who's carefree, debonair, a man about town. But a spinster? Oh, well, no. A spinster is a sad person, an older person. Life has passed a spinster by and left her on the shelf. Her sell-by date has long since expired. The hypocrisy of language. A bachelor isn't alone, but a spinster is. And being alone leads to loneliness, which is something we fear. But I'm not afraid. I love my life. And I wouldn't want it any other way. I certainly wouldn't want it your way. Because rather than imposing little jars stuffed full of hopes and dreams onto a child, I get to live the life I want. I get to live life for myself, not for someone who you think can be reduced to a set of influences. And assuming I ever work out what I want to do with my life, I'll be sure not to run it by you. You'd only disapprove. We both know you already do. The truth is, I don't know what I want, but I am very clear about what I don't want. I don't want to live in your world. In your world, I have to give up my seat because someone is growing a human being inside of her. Someone who is at least 20 years younger than me and doesn't give a damn that my feet are killing me because she lives in your world. A world in which a baby on board badge outranks everything and one in which the person inside the badge wearer will invariably turn out to be different to the one she wanted. So no, in answer to your questions, I don't regret it. And I'm not lonely, not in the slightest, at least not in the way that you understand the word. To you, loneliness is a killer. To you, loneliness is full of hopes and dreams that have been abandoned. A world full of what might have been, full of regret. In your world, the opposite of loneliness is happiness. But thankfully, I don't live in your world. This is the end of the line Didn't you know Mary was played by Polly Kemp The episode was written and directed by Mark Haywood Production and editorial support by Hetty Hodgson Music by Daisy Chute and Kerry Ann from The Herd Collective The episode was recorded at The Sound Company in London and edited by Pocket Blockbuster the End of the Line is an Ink Jockey production. But this is not the-